Today is the Lord's Day, February 10, 2019. We will be enjoying the Lord's Table, followed by Message 4 of a conference given by Brother Ricky Acosta, held in Spokane, Washington. It seems that the Lord has led us to look at the book of Numbers, but from a particular angle. And uh, many of us have been involved in the recent month or two with a study on the book of Numbers. We, uh, some of us were there in Southern California for the, uh, the training that we had at the end of December, and I believe a number of us were also in the uh, video training. So we heard these messages on, on the book of Numbers. And so uh, these six words or phrases, I believe, are very familiar to us uh, because they are the subject or, or included in the subject of the book of Numbers, particularly if you uh, have the recovery version of the Old Testament. Uh, you know, in the recovery version, every, every book, uh, it starts there with a subject, a general subject. And the general subject of the book of Numbers is actually very particular. Um, I have to confess that if it were, had been up to me to provide such a subject of what Numbers is about, uh, I don't think I would have come up with this subject. But our dear Brother Lee, um, this was what he saw in Numbers, and thank the Lord, this is now what we see in Numbers. Um, if you have it, if you have it, you could read, you could read it in the in, from the from the Bible, um, but I, I think it's it's been good to write these phrases on the board, and and please remember that that the subject is not these six items. The subject sub, the subject is Christ Amen. as these six items. Right. Please don't forget that. So if 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 I was going to ask you, give me one word for the subject of numbers. Okay, good, good. You got it. Christ is these six points. Okay, what's the first one? The, the meaning, the meaning of life. Actually, this is quite a significant statement. The meaning of life. Secondly, Christ is the? The testimony, the testimony. And this is, referring, this is referring to the law that was, in the, that was in the ark, that was in the Holy of Holies, that was in the tabernacle, that was at the center of all the people. And in Numbers, there actually this, there's this instruction that the people were to be arranged all around everyone in relation to the tabernacle. So from that we see that Christ is also the center of God's people. He's the center of God's people. And that's very much related to the meaning. And, and the verse that we read just now from Numbers uh, 2.2, it, it has this phrase that every, every tent of Every household faced the tent of meeting. 
every, where, wherever they were, however they were arrayed. And, and we know, very sovereignly, Jacob, who is Israel, had 12 sons. 12 sons. That's just sovereign. He had 12 sons. And, and three, th- three tribes, of three, th- the families of these sons, three of them were to encamp to the east and three to the west. Right? Three to the north and three to the south. And, and when you see it, it's like a square. If you had an aerial view, they didn't have drones at those times. But if you could put a camera on a drone, oh, sorry, they didn't have cameras at those times. But if, if you could go back in time with your cell phone, well, then you wouldn't have reception. But anyway, anyway, sorry. Anyway, if you could take a picture, an aerial view of this, it would be like a square. It would be like three blocks here of people and three here, and three over here, and three over here. And, and remember, we're talking about approximately two million people. Two million people divided into these 12, right, in a kind of a square. You know, there's a, there's, there's a picture at the end of the Bible that's a big square with, with 12 things. It's amazing. It's amazing that a reader of the Bible, a reader of the Bible, could be reading through. And when you come to Numbers 1, if you know what's at the end of the Bible, this picture should remind you of that. Did you you know that when God arranged them in in this kind of array, do you see what was in his heart? Do you see? He, he was telling the children, Moses, tell the children of Israel, be this way, that way, that way. They had no idea. But in the heart of God, he's just looking at New Jerusalem, at the goal, that this will bring you to that. And then, then you know, in New Jerusalem, there are how many gates? Twelve. How are they? Is it one, 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 and nine on the other side? Nine on this side plus, no, it's three, 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 three. And do you know that on the gates there are names? What are the names? It's the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. Do you, do you see the numbers, Revelation? There's a linking there. Because it's the same God who is, who is working this way with his people in the Old Testament, preparing them for New Jerusalem. Is, isn't this outstanding? Isn't this amazing? Yeah. But this is our point this weekend. So what? Maybe some of you just had a wow moment, like, wow. Oh, that's very good. It's, it's impressive, isn't it? In our Bible study, we just saw, wow, numbers, links with Revelation. And you may think, oh. You may, you may read that in the Word or in the ministry, and then your husband comes home. You may say, honey, dear, 
Bubala, whatever you call him. Yeah. Look, honey, look at this. And then your husband comes. Wow. But then I say, so what? What does that have to do with our life today? And that's our burden. It's wonderful that we see these things. And we need to see these things. Actually, these become our roadmap of our experience of Christ. But sometimes we still need a little extra help to make the link with these things and my, my life. So that, so that you'd, you'd, you don't read it this way. Christ is the meaning of life and the testimony and the center and blah, blah, blah of God's people. But you read it, Christ is the meaning of my life. He is my testimony. He's my center. And he's the center of my, my home, my household. That, that's, that's what we want. That's how we get from Numbers to New Jerusalem. And that's how God is building New Jerusalem. I used to think, when I was a child, one day, uh, I'm saved now, thank the Lord, and one day I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere that God has prepared. That, that was my thought. That's what I was taught. But after I was helped to know the Bible better, I realized I'm not just going to that place. Actually, I'm becoming that place. God is building us to be that. Yeah. So anyway, three things more. Christ is also, what? The leader. Very important for our daily living. Our way. And our goal. And it's easy to see that these three are a set. And these three are a set. So basically, this has been our kind of a structure for our fellowship uh, this, uh, this weekend. Oh, incidentally, before I get into this, because I think all the young people are here. Are, you, are the junior hires here? Oh, you guys are in junior high, right? Are you? Sorry. They seem very mature, so sometimes I think they're in high school. Yeah. Oh, what grade are you? Eight. I knew that. I just did that for the crowd. Yeah. And you? Seven. You, sir? Tenth. So high school and junior high. Were you here yesterday morning? Oh, yeah, because you're not familiar. What's your name? Hi, Elijah. I'm Ricky. Yeah, those are my friends. Yeah, I think they're your friends too. So now we all can be friends. Okay. I want to, I wanna, uh, Baru, Ben, I want, and, and the rest of you who were here yesterday, I want to correct something that I said. I gave you a wrong impression, and I want to correct that. In... Uh, in uh, 1 Samuel 17, yesterday in the morning. This will just take two or three minutes. But if we sing, it'll take five. Yeah. Because I feel like singing again. You know the song we sang yesterday? You come to me. Okay, get, get ready, get ready, get ready. You know that, right? Girls, you know that, right? Yeah, okay. Anyway, um, we talked about David. And in 1 Samuel 17, actually... I'd like for us to read, read it. In 1 Samuel 17, 
this is something I didn't, I didn't mention one part, and then I gave a wrong impression. So I want to correct that. Um, we did read this. We did read this. That, that uh, um, David, he came to the battle, but he came just to deliver provisions for his brothers. His brothers despised him, said, what are you doing here? He said, I'm just, I just, I'm doing my job. I came, they have a little something. And then Goliath comes. And he defies, he, defi- he even says, I defy the, the, the armies of the ranks, of the God of the ranks of Israel. And he, he talks big. And then, and then uh, David, David says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that dares to defy the, the God of Israel? Like this. And then this talk reaches the ears of one of Saul's servants. And then Saul goes and tells Saul's servant tells Saul, and he says, bring him to me. And then this, this guy says, you're only a boy. How can you do that? Oh, well, and then he gives his resume. Right? He says, oh, well, I was taking care of the sheep and the lion and the bear, and I defeated them with my own hands and so on. And then he gives the armor, puts the armor, Saul's armor, on him. Remember that? Remember Willie and Ben? Right? We did that little illustration. And so he said, no, no, I, I can't do that. So he goes and gets the five smooth stones. We, we all know this. This story is very famous. Okay. <clears throat> then he goes the, uh, to face Goliath. And Goliath says, am I a, what is this? Am I a dog? That you come to me with a stick? Because he, was hold, you know, he wasn't holding a spear. He was holding his sling. That's why it says stave in the Bible. Why, am I a dog? He says, you're like a flea. It's in one place, later, he says, you're a flea. He said, David, he called David a flea. And, and so, David, then David says, right? He says, you come to me with a sword and a spear. I come to you in the name of the God of the ranks of Israel. And this day, he will deliver you into my hand. Amen. Yeah. And that's the song, right? The song is exactly that verse. What verse is that? Is that 20? Let's see. Forty-five and the beginning of forty-six. Okay, whoever knows it, whoever knows it. Are you ready? Ready? You come to me. Oh, a sword and a spear. I come to you in the name of the God of the ranks of Israel, whom you defy. But on this day, Jehovah will deliver you into my hand. Into my hand. Amen. Okay, so, so he says this. Uh, this is uh, yeah, 46. 46. And actually, he, can, he continues, deliver you into my hand. We didn't put this part in the song for the children. And I will strike you and remove your head from you. <laughs> and I will give the corpse of the... Yeah, he didn't, we didn't put this part in the song. Yeah. Anyway. So then, so then I, I want to show you uh, verse 48. 48. 
And when the Philistine rose up and came and drew near to meet David, David hurried and ran toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put forth his hand into his bag and took a stone from there. And he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. <laughs> so, so this is the part I didn't tell you. That, that, that Goliath started coming toward David. And then David saw that, and David hurried. He got himself ready, and he was running toward Goliath. They were... And then so David was like this, running. And so he's going, and he's getting his bag, and he's coming, and he's... Boom! And so then Goliath is coming at him this way. And then when it hit him in that, that, you know, do that again. Somebody did. Yeah, right there. Ready? Get ready. Get ready. One, two, three. There we go. Okay, hit him. And then, and I told you, that was David's aim. That wasn't a miracle. That was David's expertise, David's skill. Because he practiced in his daily life, in his job of shepherding. So, the, okay, that hit here. But what was a miracle was that it sank into his forehead and killed him. And then he fell on his face. Yeah. When I illustrated yesterday, I went like this. So I wanted to correct that. He didn't go like this. He went like, I don't know if he said, uh-oh. And then, so, anyway, I just wanted to correct that. Amen. Isn't that a great story? May the Lord make all our young people, Davids, be the real David, who is a man according to God's heart, and also would serve this gen- their generation according to the counsel of God. May the Lord make every one of you part of the corporate David for this this generation. Back to Numbers. So we have these points, saints. We have these points. The meaning of life, the testimony, the center, the leader, the way, and the goal. And then we read today John 16, 13, that tells us that the spirit has this title, the spirit of reality. And as the spirit of reality, he has one function, one job that he's actually doing all day of every day. Since we awoke this morning at whatever time, the spirit of reality has been with you, functioning, doing his job. What is that? Trying to guide you into reality. The reality of this. Naturally, the reality of everything you've ever heard and learned. Every spiritual point you've ever heard, he wants to guide us into the reality of that. If not, it's in vain. It's just knowledge. But everything that is presented, everything that is spoken, everything in this book is to be our experience. 
And it can be. That's not impossible. I know sometimes it seems impossible. It seems like I'm on another plateau. It seems like I'm in another universe, another sphere. Well, that's okay. You're in that sphere, wherever you are. We are wherever we're at, but we're there with the spirit of reality trying to bring us into his sphere. And actually, the two spheres are very close. It's very close. So the spirit of reality is doing this job. But he's doing this job in a certain setting. And that's why I wanted to read Matthew chapter 7, which we dwelt on a bit on Friday night. And if you turn to that, we won't read all of it, but if you, if you turn to that, you will realize this is the end of the Lord speaking, what we call the constitution of the kingdom. And he speaks for three chapters. The Lord speaks in Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7, all these words related to the kingdom. And then at the end, this is his conclusion to all three chapters, his conclusion to all his speaking. Everyone, therefore, who hears these words of mine and does them. Does them. And this phrase encapsulates my burden for you this weekend. Does them. Not just hear, but do. But not, not in the way of law. Not in the way of standards I have to keep. But rather, in the way of practice. Just to practice. We have to practice the word. We have to put the word into practice. We have to apply the word. And that's why I wanted us to read uh, 1 Timothy 4. Because, because there, there, Paul uses these, this word. He says, after speaking to Timothy, practice these things. Be in them, that your progress may be manifest to all. Take heed to yourself and to your teaching. Continue in these things. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. So saints, after you... I know I'm not assuming everyone here went through the training and heard all the messages. But regardless, that that training or anything you've heard, after after you heard it, after you heard it, be in it. We don't just take our notes and then we put it aside. Oh, yeah, we'll come to study that in our morning revival in two weeks or in two months. Oh, yeah, then we pull it out and we go through, whether it's, you know, eight weeks or nine or ten or twelve. Okay, it's done. Uh, what's next? And then we, we just go through and we're being faithful. Amen. We're one with the ministry. We're, we're one with the Lord's recovery. We're in the body. Oh, very rich. We enjoy, we go home. That's not necessarily being in them. Then it says here, continue in these things. Do we continue in them? Or as soon as we reach the final week? Done. What's the next training on? What's the next conference? 
you know. And we have a happy church life. But actually, it says here that your progress may be manifest to all. Have we had progress? And I hope I'm not leading you to introspection. This, this word is not intended for that. But every now and then we do need an honest evaluation. Where am I? Where am I? Am I the same? I'm serving with children. I'm serving with young people. I'm taking care of a group meeting. I'm taking care of some new ones. Am I doing this all the same as I was five years ago? Ten years ago? Is it just the same? Which means what? Stale? Even somewhat bored? And not totally. You get something. You enjoy. We enjoy being together. We enjoy seeing each other in the group meetings. And this is really our kind of family. So we enjoy being together. But sometimes, when we leave, we feel not fully satisfied. It didn't hit the spot. It didn't hit the spot. Why? Maybe because we spoke the things, but we were not in them. And we didn't continue in them. And so we came, we found something in them. And it's genuine. I'm not saying we put on a front. No, put up a front. No, no, no. On day three, no, that really did touch me. Yeah. But that's, that's all that happened. It touched you. But it didn't penetrate you. And it didn't affect you. And it didn't change you. And it didn't transform you. And it didn't bear fruit in you. And it didn't release you. You know, we're bound by things. And some things, we've been bound since we were teenagers. And we're still bound. And, and we repent, that's good, no matter, and this is a principle. The, the righteous man falls seven times and gets up again. It's Proverbs twenty four sixteen. There's a principle. If you fall a hundred times, you just get up again. You repent, and the blood cleanses. But if that's the depth of your repentance, you will never change, and you will never be released from the root of that problem. Some of us have a root. Some of us have a root of pride. We're a proud person. Always our way. Always our opinion is the, is the, the, the right one. And, and so in the church life, we, with people, and uh, we gloss it over, we, we bear one another, we, we, we survive in the church life, but we never get delivered from that root of pride. Why? Because we enjoyed the things, but maybe in a superficial way. And we never allowed the Lord to do something deeper in us. That's to be in them. Continue. And saints, I feel all of this has so much to do with our personal Fellowship with the Lord. And I'm not talking about merely the practice of morning revival or morning watch. Regardless what you call it, 
I still like to call it morning watch. Please don't judge me for that. Morning watch, morning revival. We used to call it what? We used to call it private time, the denomination, I remember. Quiet time, devotionals. doesn't matter what you call it. What matters is how much ground you give to the Lord in that time. And again, this is not for introspection. Really, it's for enjoyment. But as we're enjoying and we're concentrating on the Lord, focusing on the Lord, which in itself needs practice. We talked about the stray thoughts. We're with the Lord, we're enjoying, and just thoughts, wild thoughts, interrupting thoughts come. But then you enjoy, and we genuinely enjoy. That's wonderful. But nothing deeper, and we remain superficial. And that leaves ground for the enemy. And that's why, saints, at least one reason, why someone can be in the church life for 20 years and then have a problem. And that's a big stumbling to young people. Young people think, how could, how could that brother stop coming to the meeting? How could, that, how could that brother do that? They're the one that helped me. They shepherded me. I know the church because of him. I know life because of him. And then after 15, 20 years, he either drops out. Some not only drop out, some turn, my goodness, even opposing. Oh, this was very disturbing when I was a teenager. This happened. This happened. My, my serving ones. My serving ones. The ones who brought me this way. And then the ones who shepherded me this way. And then half of them decided to take another way. And the other half saying, no, no, this is the right way. Wait a minute. I'm not going to swallow that because I'm not swallowing that. Now I don't know, I don't know who to trust. That would be for you. If I would turn and say, no, the church is not the way. And Brother Dennis Cooley remains, oh, brother, this is the way. Which one? Who are you going to follow? You have to follow the vision. You have to follow the word. You have to follow God's economy. You know that story, Brother Nee. Right? Brother Lee said to Brother Nee, oh, I heard this from Brother Lee, I think at least five times, directly. And he told us there was some turmoil, and, and he himself, Brother Lee, witness Lee, went to Watchman Nee. And told him, Brother Nee, Brother Nee, I follow you because you follow God's New Testament economy. You follow the vision. Forgot the exact wording. But if you would turn away from this, I follow you no more. Because I follow the vision that you've brought me. Not you. This is how he encouraged Watchman Nee. Watchman Nee was encouraged by this. I'm not following you. <laughs> Amen. Brother, brother, you got, got encouraged. I'm following the vision. Then, then that means the shepherd did a good job for the next one. And that's what we want to do. Because we, we passed through that. We passed through that. Already a number of times. Three times myself. I passed through that. 
tumultuous, confusing times as a young person. Then how, how could this, is, this brother help me genuinely? And I still, to today, appreciate the help. We have to give the credit. Just because then he turns away later doesn't make, oh, he was totally bad. You question everything. No, don't do that. But, but now what? Now what? And why? Because I don't want that to be me in 20 years. At, at least one reason. There may be others. Now, one reason, I believe, is this. The depth of the real fellowship with the Lord. Because it tells us in Matthew 13 that our heart could have different conditions. Our heart could be the wayside, right, with the traffic of the world. And saints, I have to admit, there is there no hidden world in your life? Absolutely not. I believe there are some here that could answer with a big yes. But there are others we, we can't say. Mm, what do you mean? <clears throat> Some traffic? Demas. You know the story of Demas? You know who this is? Demas? Incredible. He was a co-worker with Paul. A co-worker with Paul. And, and have you ever heard this name in the Bible, Demas? Do you know this name? Demas. You, you know, this is written by Paul in the book of Timothy. You know, Timothy is very special to Paul. Timothy is very special. Timothy was a young, much younger person than Paul. But Timothy became Paul's co-worker. And, and Paul wrote two letters to Timothy. And remember, you know, when you're reading these books in the Bible, Paul wasn't writing books in the Bible. He was writing letters. He, let's say, let me write a, a verse. No, he wasn't writing a verse. Let me write, okay, end of chapter one, chapter two. No, that was broken up into verses and chapters much later. He just wrote a letter. And this letter was written to his young co-worker, knowing that he was going to be martyred very soon. Second Timothy. I hope you could read Second Timothy. Knowing that he would be martyred. Maybe wondering that the next time someone came to the door of the prison would be his final day, maybe. Or they were just bringing food. But he says, the day of my departure is at hand. So Timothy, he says, in the last chapter, and that was actually, even though that's not chronologically in the placing of our Bible, the last book written by Paul, because Titus is after that, Philemon is after that, Hebrews... But we know this was the last writing of Paul. And the last recorded writing is his letter to Timothy. And he says, Timothy, I have finished my course. I'm done. But you have to fulfill your ministry. You have to do the work of an evangelist. And he's encouraging him. Do it in season and out of season. He's just like pouring out to Timothy. Go on, Timothy, no matter what. And then he says, and then he says, come to me quickly before the winter and bring my coat. I left my coat. You know, I stayed at Ben's house this, this weekend. And it's possible 
you know, I would forget something. Imagine I, I left my jacket. So I would say to you, Ben, are you coming to come to see me at Camp Penuel? Oh, and when you come, could you please bring my jacket? That, that's kind of a common, normal talk. Yeah, that's in the Bible. And Paul says, please bring my cloak and the parchments. Actually, you know what that means? That means, that means, Ben, I, I left my Bible too. Could you bring it to me? Yeah, so he's talking this way. And then, and then in the midst of all that, he says, Demas left me. Demas left. And Demas was an older brother who was one of the co-workers. That's like saying, that's like saying, Willie left me. Could you imagine that? After all these years together, we've been serving together since 1990. If one day, I would tell you, Willie left me. Never. Never. (laughs) And we're going to make sure it doesn't happen, brother. We're going to make sure it doesn't happen. Amen. Amen. But can you imagine? Demas left me, having loved the present age. Can you imagine an adult, older co-worker loving the world? Why? How? I believe it has to do with one's personal fellowship with the Lord. Couldn't you? Wouldn't you just... Isn't it logical? Wouldn't you imagine that if Demas is really spending time with the Lord, the Lord would touch him about the world? Your hidden love for the world? In those times of fellowship? Especially after you're telling people to have fellowship? Don't you think that when you, the next morning when you go to the Lord, the Lord would say, what about you? So I believe, I believe Demas... And brothers that we have known were somehow short in this area. And I don't say that to judge them. There's no judge. We have our, we have our problems. No judges here. We're just learning. And, and since I was a teenager, I've been observing. Observing the brothers. Observing. And in a proper way, who to follow and who not to follow you understand me correctly. Because you have some sense sometimes. You have some sense sometimes. So, saints, I'm so burdened for this matter of the personal fellowship with the Lord that when we, when we sing the songs, that's why I try to recommend some hymns to you. And actually, could we sing a hymn now? 255. 255 at least part of this hymn, that in your personal time, you might not only sing the hymn, but learn how to use the hymn to have fellowship with the Lord. That's really my burden. That we could learn how to be flexible. And the point here is just this, saints. The point is, is just this in summary. We need to be more skillful in following the anointing in our times with him. That's really the point. He will lead us as we're spending time with him. He's taking the lead in this time. 
Don't just have the same morning revival every day. But don't misunderstand. If that's what you do, do it. I don't want you to do less than what you do. Don't say, oh, the brother said this is not worth it. No, 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 no. And I'm saying that strongly because there was a man who said that to us. There was someone when I was 18, 19, 20 who preached this, a co-worker, defrauding us of our prize. So we never take this for granted. And he told us, we used to have this talk. Brother Nee and Brother Lee would, would, would teach this way. What is religion? Religion is to do something for God without Christ. Right? Have you heard this kind of definition? We do something for God without Christ. Oh, that's religion, which means it's empty. Right. So, so this person picked up this which is pure, which is true, which rings true. And I, I don't want to have vain worship. The Lord rebukes the Pharisees for vain worship. But then this person said, okay, if you have a meeting and there's no Christ, that's religion. So have no meeting. If you have morning watch, and you don't touch Christ. That's religion. So drop morning watch. That's terrible. I don't think we would fall for this now. Maybe. But we passed through that. And many of us fell for that. Because it was one of the co-workers. Can you imagine? It was our present day Demas. The Bible is true. And thank the Lord that the, the, the Spirit would put such a verse there to, to admonition, to give us a warning. It can happen. And brothers, some of us serving among the co-workers, that means nothing. It's not a title. It's not a position. We could be the new Demas. We always have to be careful. And so... Oh, thank the Lord there were some faithful brothers to, to save us from that. To say no, 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 no. I remember Brother Benson Phillips came to New York and he told us in his way, you know, Brother Benson is such a, what could I say? Unassu such an unassuming person. Unassuming person. And he said to us, you know, I try to have morning watch every day, and if I really break through once a week, I feel like an overcomer. I thought, Brother Benson? <laughs> Benson Phillips? You feel like you broke through? If you, if, if you break through once a week to really enjoy the Lord, one out of seven, I feel like an overcomer. That's what he said. I said... I break through like two or three times a week. Like, 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 and I thought I was, I was condemning myself. I said, thank you for that, Brother Benson. But his point was this. If I don't practice seven days a week, I'm not going to break through the one time. So you got to practice religiously. 
So have religious morning watch. Don't take that as a frameable quote. (laughs) Put it somewhere out of context. Brother Ricky said, have religious morning watch. Don't you, don't, be careful, please. But do you understand? You, you, ha, you have to read. You read. You read. Just read. It's not every day that it's oh, so refreshed. It's boring sometimes. You have to call it the way it is. But if you don't read every day, you're not going to get those days of refreshment. Because habit, habit leads to taste. And then taste strengthens habit. But you have to have habit. So you have to have those times with the Lord. And then in faith, you just in faith claim, amen, I got fed this morning. And don't be intimidated when, you know, somebody says, what did you enjoy this morning? And you feel like, oh, I don't, I really didn't enjoy. And, and stop that. Just tell them, just tell them, I enjoyed First Timothy 4. 4, 15, and 16. Progress. Be in them. Amen. They'll say, Amen. And they go away. <laughs> but don't get so into, uh, uh, so, what did you enjoy? And, and you're like, oh, did I enjoy? I mean, I read it. Stop it. <laughs> let's, let's sing. Sorry, we're going to sing, right? Right. O Lord, breathe thy spirit on me. Teach me how to breathe thee in. Help me pour into thy bosom all my life of self. Sin, I am breathing out my sorrow. Breathing out my sin, I am breathing, 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 all thy fullness in. Verse 4. I am breathing out my sorrow on thy kind and gentle breast. Breathing in thy joy and comfort, breathing in thy peace and rest. I am breathing out my sorrow, breathing out my sin, I am breathing, 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 all thy When we're singing a hymn like this, with, with words, expressions, such as these. I just encourage you, just try to follow the anointing. Now, if your anointing is, is just to sing, even to sing the whole way through, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Just do that. Please don't be bound by any suggestions or fellowship that's given here. But my experience is that sometimes the Spirit changes things up. And so when I come to a verse like this, and depending on where I'm at and what I've been going through, when I sing, I am breathing out my sorrow on thy kind. I can't. 
I can't continue. I can't say the next words. I have to, I, there's feeling. Lord, I'm breathing out my sorrow. And you know what. And he knows what. But it's better to say it to him. There could be something. This past year, there have been a number of things in my life, my family, my children, my grandchildren. And how could you not be weighed down when one of your children is passing through? So at that moment, you have to, what? Breathe out your sorrow. If you don't breathe it out, that care, concern, becomes a big clog, a big impediment in your flowing of life. You will enjoy, but you'll never be quite released. And you'll never be fully happy. And the saints can tell when you're really happy. It makes a difference to be really happy. And the Lord wants you to be really happy. Free. Liberated. The situation's still there. It's still there. You're still concerned. But it doesn't pull you all the way down. And even maybe by you breaking through, there could be a supply to minister to her. But if you're weighed down, surely she's weighed down. If you're weighed down, then you come together. What do you have to offer? And I found that unless we breathe out, you know, if you notice in this hymn, there's a principle. Breathe out first. Breathe out first. You know, breathing, this is simple and logical. Breathing has two parts. Breathing in, breathing out. And in the spiritual part, uh, uh, realm, we often talk about breathing in. We breathe in the Lord by calling, by, by singing, by, by enjoying the Lord. That's how that's, we breathe him in. But we don't talk too much about breathing out. And I would say that I feel in the spiritual realm, breathing out is first. Even the very first time, the very first time when we meet the Lord, a sinner is touched in their heart by the spirit of reality. The first function of the spirit of reality, according to John 16, is to convict the world of sin. And when a sinner confesses their sin, that's a breathing out. And calls on the Lord, that's the breathing in. So even our confession is a kind of exhaling but I found that if you have not practiced this for some time we become like a slow draining sink you know it's ever happened to you you know especially you have a lot of people over and then you're you're wiping things and the, the drain and then you, you may not realize at first but the water level's going up and you have that like disgusting you know <laughs> ring around and then you have to reach in and you know do something so that it and it's not that it's clogged clogged 
You know, if you just leave it overnight, oh, by the morning, everything will go down. But it's just greasy and disgusting. Yeah, that's us. Praise the Lord. Then we come to the Lord's Day meeting. Amen. But we're really, during the week, we didn't have a real flow. We had some flow. You can't say we didn't have any flow. But it was slow, slow draining. Why? Because we're not unclogged. And I would say this, a particular word, I'll come back to the sisters. Especially the young sisters, the young moms. You're going, you go through so much. You go through so much. You know, children, it says in, in Psalm 127, children are a heritage of Jehovah. The fruit of the womb, a reward. They're from the Lord. But sometimes, they, they just clog us up. All the situations and all the... We're just... Our energy, physically, is just sapped. Emotionally, spent. Spiritually, forget about it. If you could just take a few minutes. It doesn't take long. Just a few minutes. Oh, Lord. This, this is me. This is where I am. This is where I am. Lord. Maybe you pull out him 255. And breathing out my sorrow on thy kind and gentle breast. Breathing in thy joy and comfort. Breathing in thy peace and rest. When was the last time that you could say you had really inner peace and rest? But it's not far away. Don't think it's far away or something you have to attain to. Say, Lord, would you do this for me? I'm just here, and I only have five or six minutes. And if the baby starts crying, it's going to be three. But I'm here. I'm here. Maybe as you're praying that, you fall asleep because you are so exhausted. Oh, how blessed are you. Blessed rest. Enjoy that. Let's, let's sing verse uh, 6. I am breathing out my longings Thy listening, loving ear I am breathing in thy answer Stilling every doubt and fear I am breathing out my sorrow Breathing out my sin I am breathing, breathing, breathing We can and should apply the same principle to our pray reading. When we're pray reading, of course, maybe for the for for the young people, we should clarify even for new ones. You know, the pray reading that we do corporately in the meeting is just one kind of pray reading. That's not the only kind of prayer reading. In Ephesians chapter 6, it says that we should take the word 
by means of all prayer. It means all kinds of prayer. So in the meeting, when we're together, generally we do a kind of repeat reading. Repeating. So, for example, we have this verse, but whenever the heart turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So someone will start, but whenever, and generally we all say, Amen. Then someone else says, but whenever, and we all say, Amen. And then like ten of us will say, but whenever, and then we'll say a stronger, Amen. Whenever the heart, Amen. Oh, the heart, Amen. Turns to the Lord, Amen. The most that will change is, say, someone will say, Oh, Lord, we turn our heart to you. And we'll all say, Amen. The veil, Amen. The veil, Amen. The veil, Amen. It's taken away. And we'll get all released. If you pray, read this verse by yourself, you say, But whenever. And I've had young people tell me, I don't like prayer reading because there's nobody there to say amen. So I told them, say amen to yourself. That's one way. But whenever, amen. Whenever, amen. Whenever, amen. Oh, then you do that word by word. It's quite strengthening. Whenever, the, amen. Whenever, the, amen. The, amen. But that's just another way but another, another way is convert the words to a personal prayer. Using the words, me, my, you, yours, as soon as possible. So here it says, but whenever their heart turns to the Lord. Oh, it's good to enjoy the word whenever. Oh, whenever. Lord, whenever is now. Right now. This is a whenever. Whenever their heart. Lord, Lord, my heart. You see, don't, don't pray their heart. My heart. Whenever my heart. Whenever my heart. Lord, whenever my heart. And why do I take so long then? If Whenever. If it's whenever my heart turns, why, why, why? Why do I take so long to turn? Whenever my heart turns to you, says the Lord. Lord, Lord, I turn my heart to you. Lord, I turn my heart to you. Lord, you know it's been hard to turn to you. Lord, you know, you know. I didn't want to turn to you yesterday because of that. Lord, you know. I'm sorry, Lord, but I'm still angry with you about that. But Lord, I want to turn to you. I want to turn to you. I'm not sure, Lord. I'm not even sure if I'm fully turning to you because of that. I don't like that you did that. I don't like that situation. You can talk to him that way. Whenever their heart turns to the Lord. So, Lord, I, turn, I do turn my heart. The veil is taken away. Lord, I just admit, there's a veil. There's a veil, because 
I can't remember last time I really, really saw you. Lord, but it says, turn, veils removed. I'm not going to remove it, Lord. You remove it. That's the promise. I'm claiming this promise now, Lord. I'm claiming the promise. Whenever. So I'm not talking about tomorrow. I'm talking about now. I'm turning my heart now. Remove the veil now. Remove the veil. Remove the veil. If veil there be, let everyone thy glory see. I just remember that. That's a hymn in the 200 teens. So I remembered it. I just prayed it. So as you're praying, the Holy Spirit, that spirit of reality, one of his functions is to remind us of the things that Jesus said. I think that's 1426, John 1426. This is when he comes. He will remind you of all that I have spoken to you. The Spirit will remind. What is re- not teach you, but remind you. All the things that you learned that were not reality, they're not in vain. Because one day the Spirit will remind you. So they have to be in your mind first in order to be reminded. And this is like what happened with Mary. You know, Mary, the mother of the Lord, things she did not understand, it says she hid them in her heart. And then there's this this verse in in, uh, John chapter 2, talking about the disciples. The Lord Jesus said that he was going to be resurrected from the dead. And uh, he was talking, and, and they misunderstood. He says, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll build it up. You know, when he was being judged, people brought up this. He said he was going to destroy the temple. And he didn't say he was going to destroy the temple. He said, you destroy the temple. They changed his words. But, but it says here, and he spoke of the temple of his body. This is John 2, 21 and 22. And verse 22 says, When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scriptures and the word which Jesus had spoken. Why did they remember? Why? Because when Jesus resurrected, he became the life-giving spirit, who is the spirit of reality, and now he was in them with the one function of guiding them into the reality, and part of his function of guiding people into the reality is to remind them of what Jesus spoke. And that's how the word of God becomes living and operative. Because the spirit is there taking the word from the depths of your being, even in your mind, and bringing it up in your mind and so that it can be processed to become reality to you at the moment on the spot. That's the reminding spirit. And that happens when you're praying the word a lot. So you, you, you may pray, pray this verse. Let's go back to Corinthians. Whenever their heart turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Oh, Lord, remove the veil. Lord, remove the veil so I can see you. Oh, Lord, I want to see your beauty. Jesus, Lord, I'm captured by thy beauty. Don't sing with me. 
All my heart to thee I open. Lord, I love you. But I just remembered that song because I said, I want, I want to see you. I want, I want to see you, Lord. And, and, and that song came to mind. And so you, you can just sing in the middle of your prayer. You haven't finished prayer reading the verse. But don't, don't be, uh-oh, sorry, sorry, Lord. Got to finish the verse. Don't do that. The Spirit will guide you in different ways like this. You know, in the Song of Songs, the lover is in bed, chapter 2. And the Lord, the beloved, comes to the lattice, the window. He says, come. And she says, no. And then, what does it say? And she looks through and she sees him skipping on the hills. He's skipping. And then he comes back and says, come. And she goes, no. And then he goes, have you never had morning watch like that? A morning revival? Then she says something that he's behind our wall. There's a wall. It's our wall. It's not his wall. And the Lord wants to bring you to have new experiences of him. Skipping experiences. But you're, no, 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 we're not finished with morning watch. I haven't read the gray box yet. Again, don't misunderstand. I'm not putting down the gray box. What I mean is in the Holy Word, from, you, know, you have the verses, then you have a gray today, reading for this you know, morning nourishment. And please note that it says morning nourishment. So that is intended to be read in the morning. But the rest of the stuff on the white is not. So don't think, be bound that, oh wait, I have to read the whole thing. I pray read, 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 done. Sometimes you pray read. And one verse could take 15 minutes. If you do it like this with singing, and then one verse will take you 30 minutes and you won't even finish the verse. Don't think, oh... I didn't finish the verses. Bad morning watch. Don't read it that way. Just read the rest later. Follow the anointing. Now, I believe as you're having such an exercise, the Lord will touch things. And the Lord has the ground and the time to touch things in us that in no other setting could you be touched. Your attitude. Your attitude toward your boss. A root of bitterness in the church life that has existed for 15 years. Toward the elders. Toward the co-workers, even. Something. Pride. Worldliness. Something. Other loves. You know, 1 John, the book of 1 John is on the fellowship of life. But John, in that epistle, that short epistle, touches three great obstacles to life. Sin, in chapter 1. The world, in chapter 2. Idols, in chapter 5. What, it, what kind of a book is this? That the last word is children, 
Guard yourselves from idols. That's John's last word. And there could be idols in my heart. And I know there have been throughout the years. Idols no one knew. How could the Lord go there to get the root only in times with him? So saints, I leave you with this. I hope that our times with the Lord could be so flexible, enjoyable, enlightening, and effective so that he could guide us as the spirit of reality into all these things, into everything we receive and hear and enjoy, so that he could bring all of us to the goal. That is the building of the church and the producing of the bride to bring in the kingdom, to consummate New Jerusalem. These are real things, and this is really the pathway we are on. Amen. Amen. Maybe I leave you with a little blessing. If, if you could open with me to mm, number six. Number six. Do you know the blessing at the end of number six? Verses 24, five, and six. What's the sister's name again? Piano. Jureen. Sister Jureen. Do you know this? Do you know this? This little tune. Um, uh, how does it go? The, uh, the Lord bless thee in Zion. The Lord make his. You know, we have a we had a hymn a long time ago. Oh God, da 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 da. Like that one, that one. Maybe a little higher. Okay, this is verse twenty-four, five and six. Jehovah bless you and keep you. Jehovah make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Jehovah lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. One more time. Jehovah bless you and keep you. Jehovah make his face shine upon you and be one last time. You've got to keep just about every syllable. Jehovah bless you and keep you. Jehovah make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Jehovah lift up his countenance. Upon you and give you peace.